This is the Demon Games, Volume 1, The Game of Man and Fallen Angels. And this is Episode 7, Kaylee. It is told from the perspective of lead demon Kaylee. I slammed the furniture into place as I set up the meeting room inside Lucy's chambers. The other lead demons will be arriving soon. I huff as I think through Lucy's stupidity for tying up my lead demon time to set up a meeting space. In the pecking order of demons, I hold the same rank as the other six who will be attending, which most assuredly proves this task is beneath me. As I shove Lucy's throne into place, I scream at the top of my lungs. This is a job for an imp, not a lead demon. No one hears me and no one cares. Such is my lot in Hades. Though Lucy hates everyone, I know that she hates me on a whole different level. The hatred began long before the creation of man and before demons were women. In that space, Lucy was Lucifer, Almighty's highest-ranking angel. He was plotting his revolt against Almighty and hosting a secret meeting in the basement auditorium of the Crystal Castle. The castle was the ideal setting for planning a coup and for drumming up the support Lucifer needed to pull it off. Almighty built the luxurious residence for the angels and granted us privacy within its walls. He designed us with free will and gave us the freedom to discuss any topic without his knowledge. To make this possible, he willfully placed a restriction on his omnipresence. Taking advantage of the free will agreement, as well as his God-given right to rebel, Lucifer presented the ten reasons why angels could and should challenge Almighty's power over them. He also presented the ten reasons why he should be our new leader. As Lucifer was Almighty's favorite angel, hearing his plan to overthrow the established leadership sent shockwaves through the room. After three hours of debating and discussing options, the issue was put to a vote. Lucifer insisted all votes be given orally. I objected but was overruled. Even before this vote, I was aware of Lucifer's longing for power. Some of the angels feared that if Lucifer knew who voted against him, he would retaliate. This put us in a precarious position. Lucifer was asking us to turn our backs on our Creator when, for the most part, we were content with our lives. Some changes might have been nice, but they were not the kind of changes that required a restructuring of leadership. Almighty had given us the free will we enjoyed. Using the gift against the giver seemed to be a major overreach to me. On the other hand, Lucifer was popular with his angel peers. He looked out for us. He was our spokesman and had successfully negotiated things we came to enjoy, such as removable wings, assignment choices, and additional discretionary space within which we could exercise our freedom. At the time of the revolt, there were 12 billion angels in heaven, separated into 12 groups of 1 billion each. The 12 groups would send 12 representatives to meetings where votes would be taken. A total of 144 voting members could attend these closed sessions. On the night of the infamous vote, all 144 voting angels were present. To have a majority for the coup, Lucifer would need 73 votes. Given the room set up, I would be the last angel to vote before the presenter himself. Though the chances of a tied vote were slim, it was exactly how it played out. The vote was 71 to 71 when my turn came. If I voted for the revolt, the tally would be 72-71. Lucifer would cast the last affirmative vote needed to win. 
If I voted against the revolt, it would make the tally 71-72. Lucifer would cast the last affirmative vote and push the matter to a tie. Tied votes were tabled indefinitely. When he observed me hesitating to cast my vote, Lucifer walked to where I was sitting. What say you, Angel Cayley? I sat up straight in my chair, took a deep breath, and answered, With all due respect, Lucifer, your plan is merely a spin of Almighty's. The only difference this change makes for us angels is we would answer to you rather than him. I think it's too risky. We have no idea how he will respond. My answer angered Lucifer. My, my, Angel Cayley, I didn't peg you as a coward. This is a new layer of you we are seeing. Tell me, why do you call my plan a spin? I didn't respond. I was very aware of Lucifer's volatile temperament. For the first time in the three-hour meeting, Almighty's favorite angel began to lose his composure. He turned to walk away from me, but then suddenly spun around in anger and slammed both of his fists down on my desk. Leaning over to place his face, within inches of mine, he spit out his question. Do you have anything else to add? It was probably a rhetorical question, but I decided to push through his sarcasm and seize the opportunity to comment openly. Your plan, like Almighty's, gives little power to the rest of us. In time, the angels who side with you will tire of your leadership and want more power for themselves. When they do, they will exercise their free will and cause another revolt. The cycle will continue. Eventually, both sides will be looking for a savior of sorts and relief from suffering, which was largely self-imposed. Why not just meet with Almighty and work through the issues that are causing you to consider challenging His authority? Lucifer stood up slowly, all the while keeping his eyes locked on mine. He turned and faced the audience, obviously wanting every angel to hear what he is about to say. I want to thank you, Keeley, for having the courage to question my plan. Every leader should have someone like you to challenge him and point out the fallacies within his visions. Though I disagree with the conclusions you have drawn, I respect your candor. You are fearless. I admire this. I would like to keep you close when the revolt ushers in my kingdom. I officially extend to you an offer to be one of the lead angels in my inner circle. You will be at my side as I lead. You will be the only one who is privy to my everyday activities. What say you? I swallowed hard and looked around the room. Every set of eyes was on me. This was the first time I had ever been the center of attention. I felt powerful and relevant. So I accepted his offer. I am honored by your invitation, and I cast my vote for the revolt. The angels applauded. Lucifer smiled as he interlocked my hand in his and raised them high for the cheering crowd. To this very day, I curse the pride that caused me to give in so easily. Within a week of the castle meeting, I felt regret. I was now Lucifer's personal assistant and running senseless errands. To test my loyalty, he insisted I be his second-in-command in the challenge of Almighty. One-third of the angels joined in the revolt on that fateful day. We were defeated, banished from heaven, stripped of our wings, and burdened with animal-like tails. We were sent to inhabit the dark, hollow core of earth. Almighty called the place Sheol. The Greeks called it Hades, which remains until today. The Creator downgraded His fallen angels and labeled us as demons. 
The eight billion angels who remained in heaven maintained their male energy. The four billion of us who fell to earth assumed the female energy. All seemed to be lost, but Lucy was not one for giving up. She promised she would find a way to get us out of Hades. We could only hope this was true. Centuries later, as we banished demons are still living in Earth's horrific core. We spend our days in complete darkness except for the flicker of flames and the glow of the lava river. The temperature exceeds 120 degrees in the highest levels and continues to rise as we move closer to Earth's core. Tempers constantly erupt in this perfect storm of miserable conditions. Lucy pretends she is queen of the kingdom in Hades. She has convinced us she has a special relationship with Almighty and is bargaining for something better. We are desperate, so we participate in her delusion. Running a kingdom, real or imagined, of four billion inhabitants requires regular meetings with your inner circle. Sometimes Lucy calls an emergency meeting like this one. When she does, I have the mind-numbing job of preparing the room. This is my punishment for complaining about a room setup in the past. After arriving late to a meeting last year, I made my way to my assigned seat and noticed an imp had forgotten to put my name on the back of the chair. I looked around to find that all the other demons had their names on their chairs, so I refused to sit down until this was corrected. I interrupted Lucy mid-sentence to draw attention to the oversight. Lucy's response made it glaringly clear that the only arrogance she will tolerate in Hades is her own. She locked eyes with me and moved in my direction in the snake-like slither she uses when she is about to strike. Her elliptical eyes turned bright yellow as she pressed her face close to mine. All the demons in Hades fear Lucy's yellow eyes. To mentally escape, I closed my eyes tightly and stiffened my body to accept whatever Lucy might do to send a message to the others. She slowly pressed the long red fingernail of her left thumb deeply into my windpipe. She wrapped the other four fingers around my neck and sneered, Look at me. I forced my eyes open to a squint. Lucy stared deeply into them, searching for the fear she craved. I could not think of anything to say to improve my situation. Even if I could come up with the words, Lucy's fingernail was pressing on my vocal cords, making it impossible for me to speak. After a minute of weakening me by obstructing my breathing, Lucy shifted her weight to her back leg and with her free hand slapped me hard across the face. I recoiled in pain. Before I could right myself to respond, Lucy turned and rammed her speared stinger tail into my abdomen. The force knocked me back into the chair that had no name. I doubled over and vomited all over myself. I wanted to strike Lucy, to kill her. I looked around the room at the other demons. No one came to my defense. There is no compassion in Hades. The lead demon snickered as I pushed my hair away from my eyes to peer up at my attacker. I knew this episode was not over. Lucy pulled my hair tight, lifting my head to where she could look me directly in the eyes. So you think you deserve your name on a chair, do you? What makes you think you are even fit to sit in the same room with me? You should be bowing at my feet. You are nothing but what I make you to be. Do you think you are better than the imps? You are nothing more than a gullible demon who fell from glory. Look at you now, cowering before me like a helpless lamb. Know this, Kaylee. Your condition is set. There is no hope here, no bargaining for anything better. 
barely able to breathe or stand, I knew what I had to do to save myself from banishment. I wiped the vomit off my lips and found enough oxygen to force a whisper. Please forgive me, my lord. I remain your faithful servant. Lucy released my hair and stood up slowly, vertebrae by vertebrae, uncoiling like a snake until the entirety of her six-foot frame towered over my small and battered one. Watching Lucy rise was like watching a cobra lift to the music of a snake charmer. As part of Lucy's curse in the Garden of Eden, she turns into a black serpent when she is at her most evil. Only by controlling her anger can she stop the embarrassing transformation. Struggling to avoid turning into a serpent, Lucy took in a long breath and stared down at me in disgust. She began pressing her metal boot deeply into my right foot, increasing pressure until I cried out in pain. With the pressure of the boot restraining my movement, Lucy smirked at me as she belittled my feelings. A little chair with your name on it doesn't seem so important now, does it? I'm not going to banish you, Kaylee. I'm much too busy with the great game to stop and look for an untrained imp to take your place. But since you seem to believe you are the authority on the topic, you will set up the meeting room for the rest of the year. She removed her foot from mine, but thrust her spiked boot blade deep into my thigh, drawing blood. The room erupted in jeers. This brings us to the end of episode seven. Inside this episode, the fictional storyline crossed into the beginning of the fall of the angels from heaven and what caused that to come about and how we ended up with demons and living in the core of earth. It sounds like a horrific existence. When we get to the demon talk for episode seven, we're going to address how evil lacks the main ingredient for maintaining power, which is loyalty. You could see this in this episode. Lucifer wasn't trying to build power by earning it. She was forcing it. Lucifer builds power through coercion and fear. Minus loyalty, which originates in respect and love, the powerful will eventually eat their own. One example of this is the cancel culture. The cultivators of this movement are circling around and turning back upon themselves, disregarding people today who were their cohorts and canceling someone else just the day before. People who are refusing to participate in this movement get all the credit for slowing its progress, and their bravery to stand against it will eventually shut it down. This is certainly an interesting conversation, and it will be an interesting demon talk. I also invite you to Episode 8, Demons.